the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and you're very welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan. Everyone is locked down at home, of course, in their own personal towers. Dermot Nolan is here as always. Dermot. Hello, everyone. Good to have you. Uh, we're joined by Stephen Cass. Hi, Dean. Yeah, yeah. I'm at work, actually. One of the lucky few that's able to go to work. So I, uh, I can't complain. My life is good. That's good. Hello That's to my to two Stephen crossover Cass. customers slash listeners, Seamus and Mary Tobin's nephew. I have two people that come in and say they listen. So. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, of course, if you know what you should do, Stephen, is blast out in the shop on repeat from Spotify or whatever. And oh, then yeah. all your customers will hear it. Does it go into the stats? I don't know. Like, I don't it, think so. Yeah. No, I do, no. yeah. Maybe just, you know, continually change your, your, your VPN. Yeah, but I'm sure you've got work yeah. to do. Elton John yeah. Artist Radio has gone out the window, so today we'll just... <laughs> Radio Luxembourg. <laughs> and we're not just a treble today, uh, we've actually gone for the full the full fourfold, and uh, and Paddy Aspo is here, Paddy. How are we, boys? Very good. Good to have you with us. So, um, we were hopeful that we would spend kind of the second half of this show talking about Cheltenham and Doncaster this weekend, which looks some really nice racing to come up. And of course, the Dublin Racing Festival is the following weekend. So we, we're, we're hitting the mix of the, the last possible bits and pieces of Cheltenham Trials, but perhaps Cheltenham won't be on. Uh, we will cover the meeting and see, but they are facing an inspection. As I record, uh, they're facing an inspection tomorrow to see if this water on the track and uh, what the weather's going to be like. So we'll see. So the first part of the show, as always in the traditional format of the race out, a quick chat about some of the horses that have run over the last seven days. Uh, then we'll take a break. And the two Cheltenham races um, up for discussion today are the Queen Mother Champion Chase and the Ryan Air. So that's what's coming up on this week's race hour. Uh, why don't we get cracking? There was one horse I wanted to talk about from the weekend, lads, above all others, and that was Royal Pergale. Um, these Rich Ritchie colours, Susanna and Rich Ritchie colours in the UK with Benicia Williams. I think they told her um, to find them a good horse. And when she did, uh, they'd be very interested in picking it up. Now, it didn't look like that was going to come off for a while with this animal. But uh, by gosh, um, proper impressive again. Stephen Cash, you go first on Royal Pagel. Yeah, no, he, he was impressive. He was impressive. Um, if he's going to be a contender, in a way, you'd sort of want to be winning impressively uh, off the mark he was off. But at the same time, the way he does it is... It's the manner he does it. Do you know, I was on here talking about Castlebon West winning a Paddy Power, and that has to give him a chance of beating the Gold Cup. He was winning off 152, Royal Pagai off 156. But the way Royal Pagai does it, he just, he, 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 he really reminds you of Denman going around Newbury, kind of that slightly low head carriage, jumping him quite low and just galloping him into the ground. Like he gets away from the fences so quickly. But I think heavy ground's very important. So I'd have no interest in backing him until coming up to the day if you know what it's going to be like. Um, he's a he's a bad enough price. Like I've I've done the stats and fourth season novice chasers are zero from zero in the Gold Cup. So. <laughs> yeah, you don't find many of them. But, <laughs> but I think what you, what you're suggesting there though is there's enough experience uh, in the tank, albeit as a fourth season novice chaser. I do think you should go for the Gold Cup. I do like Richie. They have to, don't they? Yeah, like the, it, it just depends what Venetia wants to do. Richie's going to want to go for the Gold Cup because he doesn't care if he wins a four miler. He has enough. They might as well go. It could be the only crack they have, you know, a la a Coney Gree or whatever. Uh, yeah. So I do think they have to go. But I think if it's good ground, if 
it'd give him almost no chance, you know, and maybe go for the four miler then. So I don't think there's right. a bet to be had. I think he's a terrible price now. If you could lay him at 12 for the Gold Cup now, um, it'd be a great lay. Uh, but yeah, I, he is interesting though. He's, he's got a real good attitude, a good way of going. I think he jumped so low in the Gold Cup, he could clatter one and, and, and you know, could be the end of his race. You'd be worried about that. But at the same time, you could say the same about Album Photo, who's he jumps differently now, Album Photo. He's a bit more spectacular. But he would be inclined yeah. to get low sometimes, skim the top of him. So there's always a chance with a horse like that, uh, that they, they tip over. So I'd be worried about his jumping. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of him. Yeah, it's 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 tough enough, Paddy. I go to you. I mean, he reminds me a little bit of synchronized, actually, um, with the runner's style. Maybe, yeah. I, I I think if I was to put him in a bracket, he'd be that kind of gold cup winner for me if he did go and do it. Um, what did you make of Royal Pagai and um and a gold cup or or, or something else? Well, I mean, Venetia's never really said because I think people probably forget that that was actually his fifth start for Venetia the other day. I think he's he's sort of pretty new on the scene, and they've only just got hold of him, but. He did have a couple of runs early doors last year, and you know a couple of a couple of ordinary enough efforts, albeit in small fields. Um, especially the the first day in Chip, so it was just a match race. But, um, he was he was, you know, he was a little bit underwhelming. But I mean, so we didn't see him from the first of March up until December when he made his return at Haydock. So, whether they've tweaked something, it certainly appears that they have. Um, because he looks to have improved a great deal. I mean, I just think. You know, I probably wouldn't pigeonhole him too much that he's an absolute mudlark because, you know, it was reasonable ground at, at Kempton, you know, when he put a good field to bed and, you know, same thing again, carried a fair bit of weight and the form of that race is, is stacking up quite nicely. And then the other day, um, say he jumped, travelled and, you know, he absolutely murdered them and he had them beat a long way down, albeit I know conditions were pretty atrocious, but very, very likeable, that's for sure. And certainly, I say, whatever tweaks they have made, or, or if anything, whether he's just developed or grown into himself, but he looks a very, very tidy animal. There's a lot to be said for um, everything going right in your campaign running into a Gold Cup. And uh, that looks to be what's happening with Venetia Williams' uh, is charge. Dermo, I'll let you have the final word on this uh, Royal Pagai, or Royal Pagale, as I'm, as I'm calling uh, <laughs> Venetia's chase out to you. Yeah, it- it's a lovely story, Dean, and like particularly for Venetia Williams, you know, she's a brilliant trainer, but she hasn't had a horse kind of at the top level, the top, top level for quite for a while, while, really, you know, yeah. I think Hublot is Obo might have been one of her last Gold Cup runners, um, so sure. this is obviously huge for her, uh, I think she'll want to go, I think uh, Rich Ritchie will obviously want to go, I'd say, I'd say that's, that's all, all the plans, but I do, do agree with Steve, though, he's, um, he, he's not a good price, you know, 11 to 1 top price, 8 to 1, we haven't seen him on the right tracks. We haven't seen him take on the right horses. I mean, he was effortlessly brilliant. And the way he travels, the way he jumps. Um, my initial thought after the race was, God, did they kind of let the Grand National weight go? Because I think he'd, he'd be a sight to behold in that, especially because, you, you know, you don't need to get that high anymore over those fences. So I think he, mm. he could have been like a properly good thing for that. But um, he has to go for the Gold Cup, has to do it, obviously. But I'm just, yeah, I mean, hasn't taken on the right horses hasn't ran at the right tracks and it has to be remembered at Kempton over the first few he was he was ponderous and he was kind of left he was left a bit he stayed on brilliantly at the end but I wonder no matter what sort of a gold cup it is could the pace kind of kind of give him a bit of a fright he's really stepping into mad company and it has to be remembered as well Dean that 
Sam Brown was his biggest challenger that day. I actually fancied Sam Brown and he didn't end up running. So he had a bit of a free hit, but that doesn't take away yep. from the fact that he, he really ran them into the floor. He was effortlessly fantastic. But those performances can happen at Haydock the odd time. So um, as much as I respect him, love, love the story. I just think 11 to 1 best price about Royal Pagay for a Gold Cup against Genuine yeah, proven grade one performers. I, I just couldn't be going near to. It would be crazy if Susanna and Rich Ritchie were to go and win the Gold Cup, having tried so many times with Willie Mullins with a horse trained by Venetia Williams, and they don't have many outside of the, the big yard, of course. So, uh, yeah, would you, that would be pretty Dur- Durham, would you come off with you love the story? Who wants to see Ritchie win a Gold Cup? Like, uh, sure. Ritchie, what was he on? You know, the small man. Getting three hundred million a year, whatever the feck he was at Barclays. I'm talking, I'm talking about Venetia Williams more so than anyone else, Stephen. It's, yes, uh, Venetia's all big, right as well. She's had a good old life. I'm a big fan of uh, of Venetia Williams. Uh, I was a bit of a fanboy about Liam Treadwell. Always got her as the soul and the uh, the yard itself. I think they're brilliant. Ah, uh, yeah. I think what they do yeah, handicap, yeah. and I think. She's been a long time without a real top, top class performer. And I just think this would be class. That's all. You're in Joe Chambers' pocket now. You can't say anything bad about Richie. That's what's going on here. <laughs> I'm not anymore after the... the I think, I think we can say whatever we want. Uh, I wouldn't begrudge uh, Rich a gold cup with a horse trained by Venetia Williams. I, I think that I think that would be that would be great anyway. Um, right, yeah. we'll move on from Royal Pagai. Um little bit of a, a bit of knocks at the end of that one that's totally fine uh, i was going to talk about first blow and uh, enter the champion chase pitch but the champion chase is being discussed at length uh, after we take a break from this so i might leave first blow and everyone to opine on that uh, when we get to the champion chase uh, trying to solve that puzzle so i'll throw some names at you alaho cole Reevy, bouvard dare uh, Roxana, I uh, have to say Navajo Pass just to be totally respectful because can't just name uh, the horse that came back and came second. Uh, th- go for it, chaps. Who wants to take one of those? Paddy, why don't you give me something out of those ones that I've mentioned uh, that we can that we can have a chat about? Um, it was hard to know what to make of of Bouvadere because you never really got the impression on Saturday that he was going to reel back in Navajo Pass. I mean. We mentioned it here on the on the the pod on Thursday before. We were taking our hat off to, to Donald McCain because either way, yeah. if if he was to complete, he was going to pick up a nice prize. But you know, very good. I mean, probably if we'd have broke it down a little bit, you know, and you look at it, Donald McCain's horses were running far better than both Nicky's and Twist and Davis's. We knew he yep. was going to pop out on the front end. He was going to go through the ground. I know uh, hindsight, we're, we're all very clever. But, you know, at the end of the day, there was only going to be one way that race was going to be run. And there was a fair chance that Bouvadier hasn't going to have had the, the gun put to his head at home. So he might come up a little bit short, especially in the conditions. So, no, I mean, yeah. fair play to, to Donald McCain. And, I mean, like I say, his horses are running very well, but a very well-judged ride. By Sean Quillen and yeah, I suppose the most disappointing thing about Bouvadere was for me he never looked like he was gonna reel Navajo pass in, but it was good mm. to see him back and interesting to see if he could go forward from that. But he he certainly will have to, won't he? Yeah, he will have to. And you know, maybe that spark wasn't quite there for Bouvardere's return. And we all wanted to see it. I think we talked about it on the pod uh, last week that you know that would be great just to get Bouvardere back under underway. But all credit goes to Donald McLean with Navajo's pass if he doesn't go and and compete uh, with the bigger guns later on this season. They still pulled off a massive, massive pot there and, and fair play to them. Uh, Dermo, I fire at you. Alaho, Colrevi, Roxana, you can take your pick. 
Yeah, um, Alaho was obviously very good. Um, I, I'm, I still have my thought is that I, I still think that he's a Gold Cup horse. Um, I know he ran very well over that trip, but I just thought that Ellie May, who's way off his standard, was was kind of nearly, nearly was kind of quick enough to get to him at the last. I know he idled, but I just I wouldn't like this horse for a Ryanair at all. I just think that uh, Min would be too quick for him. Um, but again, we'll move on to that afterwards. And the one that really caught my eye this week was. Carl Reavy, I think offence has improved her absolutely all out. I know they have the option for Limerick, which would probably suit her most, but I'd love to see her go for the uh, the mayor's chase because I thought she was just tap for toe last year over hurdles. I think fences have, have kind of slowed everything down enough for her. She's effortlessly brilliant over fences. She was brilliant at Christmas. I think she's done enough to warrant going to Cheltenham, and I really like her. So, uh Cole Reavy was my real eye catcher of the week. Anyway, do you know what slows Cole Reavy down more than uh, more than a fence is uh, is the Cheltenham Hill based on past two efforts. So I'd be I'd be wary. Although that is gonna that is gonna be a very weak and and um, and very uh, you know, there for the taking probably by Willie Mullins horse that mare's chase. Stephen Cass, um, the only one that didn't get talked about was Roxana, but you don't have to go there. You can go somewhere else. Um, no, I've not. I've nothing to say on Roxana really. Like, I think she'll travel well into a, the world hurdle if she runs in it. You know, she'll fold up the hill. Um, Calrevi, I just think I, I, I hope they go to the mare's chase because she's a novice. Obviously, there's no point probably running against the boys in the marsh, and she'd be too slow yeah. for the Arkle. So, I, I, I hope they go for it. You know, there's only one Cheltenham, and th- that family Niall Flynn bred her. Um, he would have also. I don't think he bred Aries girl, the grand dam. She was second in the champion bumper back when I was a child. So the horse is bred in Dungarvan where I'm from. And he's That's some cool. operator, you know, he's bred Lissapuere, Nest Destination, so many good horses. So I have a feeling she, they love this one. So she could be one for the covering sheds next year, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So she might only have one crack of it. So they might as well go. Okay. That makes sense. And uh, yeah. And you'd imagine Willie has all the aces there. So if they go and that's his number one, uh, everyone will take. Notes. The vibes okay, aren't great on Benny de Dieu, are they? You know the, the They're not great. You know, you'd like to you'd like to hear very positive news, wouldn't you? We're not seeing any. Uh, I mean, to the fact that she, maybe she hasn't been entered up or is expected to run anywhere. It's not. Yeah, that's that's a race. Really I know we're not covering it this week, but that that is a race definitely. That if you could pick one out, you you definitely get a better price. If all the murmurs around about Benny de Dieu are true, and of course they might be true, but if they are yeah. true. Um, that's a race that, you know, Kalrivi is the price that she is now. But if you knew that she was running, she'd be much shorter on the day than, you know, she currently is. Now. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, that's why I made that point that Willie holds the aces there. If that's if that's the one that goes and is the main one, there's not, not many um, many trainers out there with a group of mares to, to pick and choose for that race. So that makes a lot of sense. All right. We will talk about first float after this break because we're going to be tackling the puzzles that are the champion chase and the Ryan Air, and then in the third part of the show, we will take a look at Doncaster primarily, and fingers crossed Cheltenham is on. We'll also cover the races from there at the weekend. You're listening to The Race Hour, brought to you with bookmakers.co.uk. You're listening to The Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news, and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the race hour. Hi. 
Hello and welcome back to the Race Hour podcast brought to you by our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Dermot Nolan, Stephen Cass and Paddy Aspel. And uh, for this section of the show, we're going to tackle two big puzzles uh, for the Cheltenham Festival 2021. And they are the Champion Chase, uh, that will come first, and the Ryanair Chase. So uh, why don't we get stuck into the Champion Chase first? I think at this stage, if you listen to this podcast and you're remotely interested in racing, you'll have a, you'll have a serious idea about who's at the top of the market. And that is Shakan Poursois, as short as even money. Um, you have the likes of the redemption-seeking Altior, uh, Min, who's very likely taken the race, the other race we're going to talk about. Nuba Negra, who's landed on the, on the scene for Dan Skelton, of course, putting Altior away uh, the last day. Politolog, last year's winner. And now put in its place this time round by a horse that I was going to talk about in the first section of the show, and that was First Flow. I'm not going to go below that level, but Derm, I'm going to go to you first. Um, why don't you start with what you thought of First Flow and uh, carry on from there? Yeah, First Flow was brilliant. It, it was an excellent ride. Uh, David Bass just kind of didn't want Harry Cobden to have his own way and took it up halfway. And just Politologue, Harry Cobden did nothing wrong. Politologue didn't do much wrong. They just bumped into a horse on the day who was just really absolutely flying. And that's what Politologue is always going to be vulnerable to. He's a very good horse, but he's, he's like what I mentioned before in the podcast. I called him back home. I a 60% footballer where they, they always bring 100% of their game, but they're only about 50% as good as everyone else. So when they bump into somebody who's, who's truly very good, they, they, they kind of lose on the day. And that's what Politologue is. First flow was absolutely excellent there, but he's not a Cheltenham horse in my mind, so I couldn't have him for this at all. I think uh, something like Aintree afterwards, he could bounce back. He's announced himself at the, at the top level. Brilliant for Tim Bailey, but as far as the champion chase goes around the Cheltenham Festival, I don't think first flow would be overly comfortable, Dean. You, if you're rating like you know that performance of first flow off the back of beating last year's champion chase winner Politologue and the rating that it has, and you rate the likes of Nuba Negra off the back of beating Altior off the rating that it has, it looks like we've got a whole new division here. But I think the reality is probably not that. That's it exactly. So yeah. I mean, Politologue probably probably wasn't as um, as right in the day. And this horse Politologue, I mean, he's he's better fresh by all accounts, so he'll have a bit to do now to kind of to get over a run like that. Like I know he's a few weeks and everything else, but that was a that was a tough run and. He was taken off his off his feet by first flow a small, but he still ran well to finish second. But I don't know. Um, I'd be worried about, about both of them nearly kind of going to Cheltenham. That's a very hard run to have at this time of the year, especially on that ground as well, because the uh, the likes of Chacon Persuade, he'll take in the Dublin Racing Festival, and the ground at Leperstown just always seems seems to be okay. Although this year could be an exception with the the weather that we've had in Ireland. But when we kind of work through the racing, it does all come back to kind of Chacon Persuade. And this horse is obviously, he's class. But in my mind, he's kind of, I think he's 98% an absolute beast. And what I mean by that is that I've been watching loads of replays over the last few days with absolutely nothing else to be doing. And Chacon <laughs> Persuade mid-race, like the Dublin Racing Festival last year against Mindine, where we watched that race together, he, he takes your breath away. You know, like, like he powers away from a horse midway through a race. It, and it's just so impressive. And he did it again at Christmas where horses just can't live with him. But what you really want to see with Chekin Persuade then is that he finishes out the race then like an absolute machine as well. And he just hasn't quite been doing that. He just, he seems to kind of, like like Min was kind of getting back at him late last year in the, uh, at the Dublin Racing Festival. And at Christmas, Notebook and Put the Kettle On, now they were, they were a good distance behind him, but they were still maintaining that distance and kind of eating into it. Of course, the argument is, is that Chekin Persuade had his race won, but... He hasn't ever ran at Cheltenham before. And that hill can't be underestimated, as you mentioned with Carl Reavy earlier. So sure. like, 
I, I smell at just a tiny, tiniest fragment of blood in the water. And I think you kind of have to go for an each way angle here against him. Of course, you can back him. He'll probably win. Um, he, he could have them all burned out uh, far enough out that the hill doesn't come into the reckoning. But I think it might. And I can't have Altior. He's just had a terrible prep and it like, just seems so much wrong with him. Politologue, I've already mentioned why I don't like him. A Platard, no. Nube Negra was a horse that uh, before Dan Skelton was saying he didn't want to run this horse at Cheltenham because he didn't think it would suit. All of a sudden, that's changed off the back of a good win at Kempton. But Altior wasn't right in the day and Altior wasn't that far behind on the day to kind of suggest that that was anything special. First flow, I'm, I'm not big in him. Mellon, he'll he'll go to the uh, the Ryanair. So I've, I've landed down here on um, and put the kettle on. And I think she's one of the only horses in the field that has properly vast improvement left in her. I mean, three runs at Cheltenham now, Dean. That's three wins. I don't think she gets the praise that she deserves for that Arkle win where she was there to be fired at because of maybe Fakir Duderie's mistake at the second last. But, but still, this put the kettle on, powered on brilliantly. She showed again how much she loves Cheltenham when she wasn't as good as she had been beforehand to win the uh, slower chase. And she's just... I was talking on Twitter to part owner uh, John Dermody of this horse, and he was just saying that they really didn't want to go to to Leperson, Henry de Bromwich. They just didn't think that Leperson would suit, but they had to. They had no choice with uh, with travel restrictions. They were just saying that she loves the kind of turns at Cheltenham and just the way that Cheltenham is, she, she really comes alive there. So that run at Christmas where she wasn't all that far behind, that's a huge effort. And she still ran really well on the day to be third. She was closing on Notebook. I have no doubt that she'll turn that form around with Notebook in the future. Aidan Coleman getting back on, I think is a big, a big plus as well. Not that Sean Flanagan did much wrong, but I just think this horse needs a much more aggressive ride. And whilst Chak and Persuas is the one to beat, in my opinion, if this mare getting seven pounds again can stay with Chak and Persuas long enough that when they're jumping the last, the hill comes into the question mark. I just think she could really trouble him going up that hill. I just think she's she's proven a challenge, which a lot of the horses ahead of her aren't. We know she's well, which a lot of the horses again ahead of her, we, we can't prove that. So at 14 to 1, I just think she's a cracking each way better, Dean. And uh, I think John Dermody and Henry de Bromet are completely right to go for this race. Uh, this year, she can go back to a mare's chase if they prove she's not good enough, which of course could happen. But I think she is good enough. I think Christmas only enhanced her claims. And I think the improvement that's kind of left in her now going towards Cheltenham, I think she's a whopping price. Makes a lot of sense. Does make a lot of sense. Uh, put the kettle on the course last year's Arkle winner. Now seven, going up against a few horses that have plenty uh, more miles on the clock. Great Cheltenham record. Does make a lot of sense. Paddy Aspo, I'm going to come to you next on the uh, champion chase. A horse we talked about a lot uh, last year that didn't quite go to plan was Notebook. And it seems to have bounced back a little bit into... Um, well, I think into everyone's minds this year's and what we've seen, but put the kettle on and notebook. Henry de Bromhead will go there with a strong hand. Uh, but what do you think is there, if you had to go picking now, where would you go with the race? Well, I think he's deserved favourite, Chac and Persuade, but you've got to be looking yep. for a bit of value elsewhere because obviously six to five, um, you've got to be looking for, for value. And I mean, it's going to take a bit of turning around to Leperstown form at, at Christmas, isn't it? Six and a half lengths behind Chac and Persuade. Sure. I, for me... Um, I really fancied Nubernegra going into the Kempton race. Um, yep. I mean, he, he he was deservedly the price he returned. But I just, when I look back to his form, he's got some very, very tidy form this horse. And one thing he's always been is very, very good on his feet. But he's got some tidy, tidy hurdle form. And the fact that, you know, he's just a bit of a freak, really. I mean, he's a Spanish-bred 
you know, you've never heard of, of, of any of the, the breeding lines at all, but his form certainly can't be knocked at all. Um, and he's got plenty of form around big tracks going left-handed. And although Kenton was the other way the last day, I was very, very confident because Dan Skelton doesn't just run horses to, to, to make up the numbers in big races like that. When he's when he is in, he's liable to chuck away uh, a mark of say a horse he only rates as a handicapper. So he chucked sure. this fella into that that Kempton race off a mark of one five two. Now look, I'm not really sure that the the, the handicapper has put him up to one six five, so he has got a bit to find the weights. But for me, he's a really really strong traveller. He's awesome good on his feet, and he could just be a little bit of a dark horse. And he's round about twelves. Um, I I think he's reasonable value. Newbernegra, but I wouldn't like to see the ground over deep sort of come come March time for him. Yeah. Um, okay. Newbernegra, um it's part of, part of me thinks that what happened against Altior just um was a bit of a, a freak result where that horse came through. But you've made a good case there about what, what Dan and Harry Skelton did with the horse in taking that chance. And now they've got a horse rated one six five that's gonna go to the big show. Stephen Cash, you are up. Uh, why don't you dampen my spirits about the thoughts of any uh, Altior uh, redemption first? Yeah, no, he's no chance, Dean. Absolutely no chance. Like he, he his jumping is gone. It's balloon. He's ballooning fences. He's jumping too slow. Um, the little bit of pace he had is is gone. Altior is one of the all time greats, but he's gone as a horse. He's now eleven. Uh, I think you can forget him. Um, okay. Last year's winner, Politologue. He's a massive knee action. He, you know, soft last year as well. Heavy last year, I think. Uh, sure. he, he hasn't won a good ground since 2017. I'd be, he would have to have it heavy as would first flow. So you'd be kind of holding your bets with those two if you fancied them a ground. But either way, I think Shaq and Pursois is miles ahead of them. Shaq and Pursois, yeah. everything Dermo said, um, the day at Leopardstown against Min, he really did shorten his strike coming to the last. And don't forget at Christmas, he didn't have to jump the last twice. So the, the, the one in front of the stands uh, on the two circuits, they didn't jump that. And you'd wonder what his finishing effort would have been like had yeah. he to jump that. Because while he bolted up and destroyed them there coming around the bend, he still only won by six lengths, which isn't a lot to make up. And you'd be worried about the hill for him. At the same time, I think he's the best horse in the race by quite a significant bit, you know, maybe by 10, 12 pounds. And it's just whether he can get up that hill and normally they do normally they do just have enough those horses that are that far clear so i think he will but i've no interest in backing them and even money agree with everything what Dermot said i think put the kettle on her arc will win like she, she did that from the front as well um she was she went head to head with cashback and was actually leading him and he's a head to ball front runner so i thought it was hugely impressive uh she's eight lengths to make up with shack and Porsois, but cheltenham is her track um ground will come anyway to her you know she's still she's still only eight years old uh, sorry, she's still only seven years old, so she should be improving. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I just think she's the bet because, because, because Shaq and Persuas as well. You know, he's only ran six times in the last five years, so you'd want, you know, I wouldn't back Shaq and Persuas at four to seven or four, well, maybe four to seven. I would. I wouldn't back him at four to eleven to make the race. Right. Uh, and normally horses are one to ten to make a race at this stage. Minimum one to ten. You know, everyone thinks loads of horses miss Cheltenham. They don't. You know, probably three, four percent of them that are kind of going for Cheltenham at this stage will miss it. So they're probably one to twenty to make it. So, but I, you know, there has to be a question mark about him getting there. Therefore, I know Dermo mentioned fourteen to one, but non runner no bet. She's twelves. She might still go for the mare's chase. So I think the twelve to one is the way to play her. 
because if Shaq and Force Walk comes out, she'll definitely go for it. And if she doesn't yeah. go for the Mare's Chase, you know you have that 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 insurance. But yeah, I think she has a right chance no matter what, and and she's the bet. Okay, thank you very much. So uh, Paddy, keen on the chance of Nuba Negra showing that that victory over Altior uh, can put uh, Dan Skelton's horse right in the mix for a champion chase. I think everyone is pretty much agreed that Shaquan Poursois uh, is going to take a bit of beating, providing that Hill doesn't get in the way and the, obviously makes... Go the, on. the other one, sorry. The other one I think who could get into it if the ground is good is Rouge Viff because he's been running. He, he had that impressive handicap performance at Cheltenham. His only time he's got good ground at Cheltenham and he was wildly impressive. He just jumps yeah. so well out of good ground and he just cannot move away from his fences and jump out of soft ground. Like his record on good, soft or better is one two one 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 two one, and his record on mm-hmm. soft and heavy is five one one three four two three three four. So he's just a totally different horse. And I could see Rouge Viff on good ground tanking into it, jumping well, powering up the hill, and he would have a right chance on good ground. He's twenty fives, so he'd be the one of the outsiders I'd be most interested in, and definitely give him. You know, I I'd nearly back him at twelves. On good ground on the day, you know, I might leave ground him. Key, yeah, 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 yeah. I think he is. So a it's key. I mean, when you think about the Kingmaker win um, over Nuba Negra, like, like that was on reasonably decent ground at Warwick, and then followed up, like you say, with the win over Western Middle at Cheltenham, again on decent ground. Uh, you'd have to put it. You'd have to put it in the mix if you fancy anything uh, like Nuba Negra to, to run well, like Paddy does. So that definitely uh, shows you a nice price differential there. I'm on the romantic side, quite clearly. Um, if Altior could come back and do it. Uh, that would, you know, kind of make a Cheltenham for me. But that's that's how I like to uh, to watch Cheltenham. The other horse that no one's mentioned is uh, Deppy Desoy, who I guess showed a, a mild spark of life. Remarkably, is only still eight years old, and uh, was behind first flow there, of course, the last day after being terrible behind put the kettle on and getting pulled up at the November meeting at Cheltenham. Uh, if decent ground could come and a little bit of sun on uh, Deppy Desoy's back, twenty to one will not be there on the day. But you are taking a leap of faith. Why don't we move on to? Um, the Ryanair chase, um, there's a little bit of kind of you know, dual uh, ju- entry stuff going on here. The likes of Chakran Pasuarez, of course, entered for this as well. Um, you'll also see Deffy in here. You'll also see Min entered up in here. But currently, in a horse that ran uh, just this week is Alaho, uh, tie- vying for favouritism with Min at 5-1. to one. Stephen Cash, you are up first on uh, the Ryanair. You can you can take it away. Yeah, you mentioned Alaho there. And yesterday, the time was very, very good. I think Alaho had a really hard race in the RSA. I don't think he stayed in the RSA. Um, and I think that that left a mark on him because he is jumping, even though we didn't see it in the John Durkin, was supposedly quite sketchy. Then he looked like a horse that wasn't enjoying himself when push came to shove in the Lexus, or sorry, in the Savage Chase uh, at Christmas. You know, he was there traveling away and when they pushed the button, he just, you know, he went out not like a light, but didn't show much. So you needed to see that yesterday. Uh, I thought he didn't look to be enjoying himself in the early part of the race. Then he got into a rhythm. Then he was quite impressive. And he did go away from Ellie Mae when she came to him. And he did run through the line. So if you're an Alaho fan, and I was last year, president of the fan club, you'd have to be very enthused. I think he's no problem with the pace of Ryanair. I know Dermo alluded that he might be quick enough, but like he was looks, he just jumped around Cheltenham for fun, looked a total monster going around in the RSA. You'd say the Ryanair would be perfect for him. I just have my little doubts that he's maybe not enjoying himself around there, but they still have... Um, they still have a month and a half to get him absolutely spot on for the day and he will have a right chance. So between him and Min, Min being a 10-year-old, he has to be regressing a bit now. He's on the go a long time. 
Um, he was very good in the John Durkin. I wonder, will they run him um, at Leopardstown? They tend to, and I think that'll be a spin around. They won't be too hard on him. That should put him spot on. Uh, and actually, three of the last, three of the only 16 winners have been 10-year-olds. So even though it's a small sample size, uh, I wouldn't have even thought to be three 10-year-old winners, but there has been. So that won't stop him. But I just think last year, Min shouldn't have won the race. The horse that should have won was St. Calvados. Now, I hope Cheltenham is off and they don't run him and they stick to the Ryanair. It, I don't hope Cheltenham's off, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I know think exactly they're, what you they're, mean. They're doing the wrong thing running this horse on heavy ground at Cheltenham over three miles. Yep. He was far too keen in the uh, King George last year. I think he would have won the Ryanair had he jumped the last. Like He was beaten the neck and he made a terrible mistake, lost a length and a half, flew back at Min. If he had wing, winged the last, he would have won that by a length and a half. So he's the improving horse. He's only eight now. Um, you could see from the King George, he was the best horse in the race to a point and just didn't see it out because he was a little keen. Uh, with Min and Alaho up on the gallop, he can sit in third, fourth, slot in. And I think the Ryan is there for the taking for him. I love Imperial Aura as well. I, I There could be worse falls. I'd be interested to see what Paddy thinks about him because that wasn't a bad fall at all. And he's normally a brilliant jumper. Um, but on the book, he still has another seven or eight pounds to find. So I think you'd be leaving him alone at the same price, roughly, as as, as those market leaders. You know, you'd want 12 to 1 on him. Uh, so they'd be the ones I'd be thinking about. I'll, I'll finish out my bit uh, while I'm jabbering on. The other two that I'd consider backing is Fakir Duderis, who I, I think there's been a bit of a cloud over Joseph's yard. I know he's stepping away, um, broadly speaking, from the jumps game. So you know, I don't know what's going on this year. They don't seem, he doesn't seem to have any stars and he doesn't seem to have any emerging horses. And Fakir Duderis traveled brilliant for halfway through the Savills and then emptied. It wasn't the trip. It was too soon that he emptied. But I think uh, two and a half around Cheltenham is perfect for him. He likes Cheltenham. He's shown good form. So 33 to one, he could have a chance. And a wild one now. I fancy Midnight Shadow this weekend. Um, He'd have an awful lot to find, but he is entered. And if he wins impressively this weekend, uh, you know, he's around 200 to 1 on Betfair. I'd have a couple of shekels on Midnight Shadow improving because he was the only English horse that could go with the pace with the good Irish horses in the marsh last year. So if they could find more improvement with him, he'd be the one. But overall, I think St. Calvados uh, is the bet. Yep. And based on last year, I mean, actually one of the races I got right last year with Min, but I feel like I, I got very lucky. <laughs> so I'll take it. But uh, yeah, I would have to echo. Do you agree? I, I don't think you can watch that race and think Min, think Alvaros wouldn't have won if he, because he oh, got no, squeezed and agree. he made a mistake and yeah. he still flew back and was only just beat. Completely agree. Um, you know, I was delighted with the result on the day because St. Calvados was a horse that I'd been keener on earlier on the season, actually done me a turn, but uh, completely was in the Min camp for that race. And to see Min just get it done, there was a, a complete bit of me was like, you know, Min deserves to to win this race at Cheltenham and, uh, and did do that. But St. Cavados, yeah, it's going to have a couple more goes and this might be the time for that eight-year-old. I mean, why don't we go to Paddy on the, the next bit? Because you mentioned that fall that Imperial Aurea got, uh, the unseat, of course, behind Master Tommy Tucker. That's not been one of the worst ones to happen to a horse. I mean, Kim Bailey's got an improving charge here, Paddy. Yeah, no, he has for sure. And <clears throat> he was just disappointed on the day. He looked, you know, we'd not seen him since getting towards the end of November. He was obviously just very fresh and, he had a good old reach at, at Kempton, didn't he? And, and uh, which was very, very out of character for him. But it was just uncomfortable watching to see him going around with the reins uh, tied up in his legs. I know Kim Bailey certainly mm. said he didn't enjoy it. But look, it was, it, it, it was a, a bump along the way, no more than that. But 
I mean, prior to Kempton, he looked very, very solid. And I mean, you'd have to be, he's got a lot less miles on the clock than some of these, but obviously four maybe isn't as strong. But I'd be with Cass in the fact that saying Calvados, even the way last year at, at in the Ryanair last year, it wasn't so much a strange ride, but they did give him a, 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 enough to do. And considering how far he was beaten in the end and how things panned out for him, he certainly looked the most unlucky horse in the race. But, you know, Min, you look down to his form, when he has been beaten, he's, he never really throws in a stinker. He's been beaten and, and run very, very well. So for me, although he's, you know, he, he certainly isn't getting any younger, um, he, he hasn't been over-raced for a 10-year-old. He is relatively low mileage, and we certainly haven't seen that much of him in the last two years. Um, I would probably struggle to be against him, and and I thought he was he was he was more than adequate um, the last day when he beat Tornado Flyer. So probably struggle to be against the Fav. Okay, um, pretty keen then on uh, Min is Paddy Aspel, and likely we will see Min um, in the next week at the Dublin Racing Festival. And you know, to be honest, the result there probably won't matter so much for the ten-year-old. It will be all eyes. On, uh, on Cheltenham, I would imagine. Demo, you're going to come into this now. I might throw a few names at you. One we were very keen on at Cheltenham last year um, was Mellon, who always, yeah. always runs a big race at the festival. Um, natural progression would be to go for this race now, though they are talking about the Gold Cup, and they're going to find out a bit more um, about Mellon's um, staying prowess before then. But Mellon would look a good uh, option in here this time round. Yeah, I watched um, the road to Cheltenham on, on Racing TV, and Paddy Mullins was on it a few weeks ago and he was talking about that race and he said himself that he thought that the Ryanair was the race for this horse. He just thought that using that kind of speed that he has over his fences might be more difficult in a gold cup because you're, you could just kind of exhaust the horse more quickly than, than if he was to get that aggressive in a, in a Ryanair. So I'd love Mellon in this, like he's eight to one non-runner, no bet, or as Paddy, or as Paddy Power call it now, non-runner money back. Uh, for some reason, they've they've, uh, they've rebranded it. But um, this horse is um, he's eight to one for that. But I think he'd be that price or bigger on the day anyway, especially with Alaho and um, and Min. So like Mellon would definitely be a bet of mine if he does turn up. I think he should go for for this race. I know Stephen Cass is big enough for the Gold Cup, but I just think you could really use Mellon's uh, speed from the front in this, and I, I think he'd be quite a sight. Um, but as much as everything that Stephen and what you agreed with was completely fair on that race last year, St. Cavalos um, was the unlucky one for sure. I think the ride was very aggressive on Min as well. I think uh, Paul Townend was very, um, he was very conscious of the fact that Bryony Frost, whenever she rides uh, Frodon, she rides him very aggressively for the first, let's say, the kind of third of a race. And then she slows it down. You know, we saw it in the King George, you know, she, she busts them early, then she slows it down and then she goes again. So what Paul Townend did, which was really clever last year, if you watch it back, when Bryony Frost is looking to slow it down, that's when he took it up and he really went and he took them all out of their comfort zone. Um, April Tires jumping absolutely fell, fell to pot. Um, St. Calvados looked relatively uncomfortable at that point but then he really came back very very well so I think a horse like Mellon will actually help Min in that Min won't won't need to um to kind of do do the likes of that and Aloho he's going to be towards the front as well so Min could be given a bit more of a considered ride uh, and could take it up a small bit later and I'm completely convinced that if that happens Min won't 
um, his stride won't shorten quite as dramatically as it did last year. So Mellon, if he runs, will be my bet because I think he, he could be very hard to catch. But if Mellon does go for the Gold Cup, which has been suggested by Willie, but Willie's the kind of trainer that would nearly suggest the uh, the, the mayor's hurdle if he could with Mellon. And he, um, but I think Min. I think last year the ride was inch perfect, absolutely inch perfect. I don't think he'd get away with that kind of inch perfect ride again. I think the more pace in the Ryanair will help him and that he won't need to go forward. Like he really doesn't. And I think Min at six to one or so, if he got that price in the day, which he probably will if Alaho's running, I don't think Alaho has the tactical speed to to kind of lie up with Min over this trip. I could well be wrong, but that's that's just my take on it. And I think Min at six to one, I agree with Paddy. I just think he'd be he'd be hard beaten again. Do you know what? This could be a, yeah, this could be an absolutely outstanding race of puzzles to try and solve because if you did get the likes of a Deffy turn up in here waiting patiently, uh, a Kenboy, a surname, horses that you know perhaps we didn't even mention here, um, all turn up for this race. I mean, what a cracking Ryanair it would actually be. It does detract from other races because they could all you know necessarily go for you know, some of the more um, staple championship races, of course. But apparently, you know, I was just googling surname there, thinking you know what yeah. if surname ran, he'd be the exactly. The fascinating one, but there's a story, and I haven't seen it generally mentioned. It's actually in the Yorkshire Post, uh, last week, and and Nichols is saying that surname. Oh no, it's today, six a.m. today. So the story out today. Brand new, breaking. That surname is uh, the Gold Cup is the target. There you go. I was thinking if surname went, he'd be the fascinating one because he would have to lead. They have to go to the front on him now after the last day. So They'd surname's going to yeah. go and make all in the Gold Cup now. That's the. That's the next. Well, it's the only way for perhaps that surname can can run this race in the Gold Cup because apparently just sulks if you don't let him do it. So you know, I know I know a few people like that. Yeah, yeah. straight to the Gold and, Cups by the looks of it. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh... that would be interesting. I do you know after beating Vindication, and I know we're going off track here. I thought that was a, a monster performance and one that was very worthy of being right up at the top of the market, the Gold Cup. But he's nowhere near the top of the market now after that run in the King George, where uh, the the toys were thrown out of the pram. Fascinating. Thank you for that, Stephen. All right, that was talking about the uh, Ryanair. And um, I hope we've kind of marked your cards. I wouldn't put anyone off Min if they fancied it, um, even at the current prices. I'd imagine it will still be a slight bit shorter on the day. Uh, not massively so, but probably shorter than what's available there right now. Um, and I'd love, again, as I'm just going to throw it in there, Deffy Desoy, this is the race for you, my friend, if that's where you want to go. All right. Let's move on. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we will take a look at Doncaster as the main feature meeting with Cheltenham, very likely uh, to be off at the time of recording. But we will spin through uh, Cheltenham races, of course. And fingers crossed uh, they do go ahead. We'll be back in a moment. You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews. Hello and welcome back to the Race Out Podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan. We have Stephen Cass, Paddy Aspel and Dermot Nolan on uh, this week's pod. And now it's time to look at the weekend racing. Uh, we could be depleted, lads, because Cheltenham may well not go ahead. But fingers crossed it does. But what we're going to do is we're going to do Doncaster uh, in order of the televised action first. So we're going to kick off with the 205. Uh, that is the Yorkshire Rosemare title. Great two uh, contest there. Nicky Henderson. And Nico de Boinville have the market leader there in Floressa. And Maurice Rock, who was disappointing, but well, well touted for Nicky Henderson as well um, on first start back. And he could effectively still be anything. Tom Cannon is booked up uh, to ride Maurice Rock. And then we've got the Nichols, uh, Miranda, uh, Philip Kirby's running, running rain as well. A couple of us in the field are Irish Row and So Pat. Uh, Stephen Cass, do you want to go first with this, Mez? Grade two? 
Yeah, um, it's a good little race. Like, there's three very good mares in it. Uh, Marie's Rock, first of all, I'd be putting a line through her. Now, she could win and come back to herself, but she cocked her jaw and was running horrible uh, head carriage on her the last day, and then a horse fell in front of her, and she kind of gave up the ghost. But before, it looked like it was it was the horse falling in front of her was the issue, but it wasn't. She had... She nearly ran out, or I don't know what she was doing coming to the second last. So I would have big, big question marks um, about her. Uh, Floressa ran a good race at Kempton, but just wasn't up to the class of a grade one. And I think the one to be on here is Miranda because she, at the weights, she's the best horse in the race. She's the most solid, and she has a massive jockey upgrade here now. Um, there's been a, 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 a claim in amateur riding her. Sorry, yeah. I, could be good. I could be doing that jockey disservice now. But no disrespect well, to Harry Cobden. Is, you don't need to be disrespectful to say that's an upgrade. One is still claiming seven, I think, Angus. But yeah, a, a, a I don't know if he's claiming amateur or a claimer, but um, look, either way, it's a big upgrade to get Harry Cobden yeah. on. And I think yeah. um, the last day she could have been, she would have won, I think, if she had a, a stronger ride at the finish. Um, so I think she's consistent. Uh, she could have another one in front of her the last day and be up a few more pounds. And she has a, a, a pull at the weights with the two others at the head of the market. So she'd be the one I'd like. Fair enough. That was a big blanket, that Blakeney point. Uh, another Donald McCain winner, I think. And, and man, yeah, uh, didn't suit that race. Since yeah. the end of the year. But that was a real blanket, that. And the flat speed just got Blakeney point home, as far as I can remember. So uh, Miranda could be the one for Stephen Cass. Paddy Aspel, why don't you work your way through these mares? Yeah, obviously, Nicky, he's got first and second fabs in here. But, I mean, you'd, the, the hood will definitely have to work with Marie's Rock because... I'd agree with Cass completely. She borderline unrideable the last day. Very, very awkward. And just, you know, you'd uh, it would be putting questions in, into your head. Uh, but Tom Cannon gets the leg up on uh, Marie's Rock for the first time on Saturday. And they've tied her tongue down, put a hood on. Um, but, yeah, she'd have to leave that one well behind. And I thought, I mean, Floressa, she was the only one who really sort of chased Silver Streak. It kept in the last day. But in the end, she paid for that and ended up getting a bit tired. Um, I think Cass is, is spot on with, with Miranda. Certainly, I mean, joint top rated here with Floressa. And I just thought that day at Musselburgh, if you watch the race, Brian Hughes on the winner was fantastic because he knew there was one horse to beat. It was Miranda. And he literally sat on the young fella, young Angus Chileda's boot the whole way. Um, and he kept him in. And just on the day, it was, it was just sheer experience and he out jockeyed him um and Miranda was probably the worthy winner on the day so probably could be coming here off the, the, the back of two wins Miranda with, with a bit more luck on the day but I was probably uh, I tied over this race for ages I was going to go with the mare who's got form in this race I mean she chased home Lady Buttons Irish row last year she's been disappointing her last two runs over hurdles but she did show a bit more in one of them jumpers bumpers the last day she wasn't beaten very far and Obviously, she's in against younger legs here, but she does run re- run well around the track. Sean Quinlan's booked. So just at a price, I'd probably go small stakes, Irish row. Nice one. Course and distance winner, of course, and uh, previous in this race, the 10-year-old Irish row for Peter Atkinson and Sean Quinlan, as you say, Paddy, is booked up there. Uh, Dermo, when you see Nico de Boinville jump off a, uh, a mare with as much potential as supposedly there was in Marie's Rock, that kind of says enough that maybe Floressa is uh, absolutely the number one of the two Hendo mares. Yeah, I, I kind of thought it was that simple. Floressa has been in 
in some serious races. I, I mean, it, it's quite interesting, Marie's Rock. I mean, she's she's still got an entry for the champion hurdle and the Betford hurdle, you know. So they obviously do still think the absolute world of her. So she could be very the last day, there was a lot of people saying you should get on Marie's Rock for uh, the champion hurdle. I think that, you know, she'd have to go and do something pretty special now to justify even keeping those entries. She would, she would definitely. And uh, like, yeah, like I thought, ju- just to keep it simple, Faressa has been just kind of running in, in hot races and I thought she'd be, she'd be very interesting here. And at five to two, just kind of follow Nico's decision, but just an additional note: it's great to see uh, Tom Cannon picking up rides now for, for other trainers like Nicky Henderson. That, that was a great ride he gave uh, Craig Niche last weekend, who of course Paddy put up here on this podcast. Absolutely. We won at um, yeah. a fourteen to one, and just um, he's he's flying a very good trainer, a very good jockey, even sorry, and um, he's picking up some uh, some lovely rides, and uh, just kind of. Great to see that, but I think uh, Floresa probably wins this race. Do you remember, Demo, we used to do a winner's section on this at the start of every podcast where we'd go for all the winners that we found uh, last week. We kind of we kind of abandoned that after a yeah. while. Uh, but fair, fair play, Paddy, obviously, with Craig Deesh and uh, Tom Cannon, as you mentioned there uh, last weekend. So well done, Paddy. Uh, Demo, you can go first on the, uh, the grade two novices hurdle that comes up. Um, at Doncaster at 2.40. It's the following race on that card. Uh, I was uh, really impressed with Flash Colonge the last day. I know that maybe the lines have been uh, kind of forgotten the time before that, but I think there's still potential in this one uh, to end up at a good race at the festival, for example. And I'd, I'd be siding with uh, with Harry Cobden and Paul Nichols as Flash Colonge should the six-year-old turn up here. And uh, as it's dropped up and up against another Nicky Henderson horse, that'd be where I'd go. But what do you think? Um, yeah, no, Dean, I'm actually very keen on, um, on Pat's fancy here. I mean, he's eight to one, but this horse has been really good this season. And uh, for like Rebecca Curtis, I just wouldn't be surprised to see him really step up. Two runs back at um, at Fos Lass, he was really good, really comfortable over two mile four, completely gave the impression that going up and trip, he won that day quite comfortably. 12 to one, wasn't really fancied, but the horse in second that day, Gladiator Allen, he came out um, He came out last weekend and absolutely dotted up at Ascot, looking really impressive. So that form is quite strong. He interred there, Mr. Grey Sky, who hasn't been seen since, but that was hard. that was backed off the boards that day as well for, for Kim Bailey. And uh, Blue Laureate as well was carrying in some, some very decent flat form. So I know it's false last, and sometimes we can write that form off, but he was really impressive that day. Like he's 50 to one for an Albert Bartlett. I played that this morning because I just think he could run into a place and that race is so open that if he was to run in that, he wouldn't be kind of 50 to 1 on the day because an awful lot of the horses in the upper part of the market aren't going for the race. So he's he's 50 to 1. And then last time at Cheltenham, um, he travelled absolutely brilliantly. I put him up on this podcast. He was 33 to 1. And he'd horses far more fancy than the behind him, like Ask a Honeybee and Ashdown Lad. And the only horse that he found too good on the day was Make Good of um of John McConnell's. But it has to be remembered that day that the last um the last two were admitted, or was it just the last at Cheltenham? But he had a load of flat ground, so he travelled into it absolutely brilliantly. He, he got up to, to the leaders, and then it came down to flat speed. And make good, that is a flat horse. So he was mm. completely understandable why he couldn't stay going with him. But he only went down by seven lengths. He had a lot of good horses behind him that day. So eight to one on Pat's fancies here in this um, Albert Bartlett's trial. I think he loved the trip. I think he loved absolutely everything about it. And I just, I'm going to back him at eight to one. And I think the 50 to 1 for an Albert Bartlett at Cheltenham isn't out of the question for this horse. Of course, I could be woefully wrong. I usually am being. But, um, but the likes of Pat's fancy, I just think he's, he's a real dark horse in this division. 
Yeah, nice. Well, a, a fancy four pats, fancy, and with a forward angle towards the Albert Bartlett, the, the potato race, of course, which is totally unfair, but a, a, a name I like to keep calling it at the uh, at the Cheltenham Festival. That's Rebecca Curtis and Sean Bowen, currently eight to one for the two forty. Stephen Cass, take it away. I, I just do my usual thing where I say you should do a manual double there rather than back and forth. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you'll get he'll be twenties even if he wins this for the Albert Bartlett. So that's de facto two hundred to one rather than the fifties. Do you know what I mean? If you put a, a fiver on, you you'd have a thousand for your. Fiver. I think you've told Demo this before, Stephen. But I'm always going still... on about this. I bore the yeah. hell out of the listeners with this, but it's a way better way of doing anti-post punting. Uh, so whatever stake you're going to put on for the Albert Bartlett, put it on for this race and do the manual double if he wins. Anyway, that's 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 dull. Everyone's shouting at their their headphones again, saying your man's old. You don't get Stephen just just so you know when you do that, and I think I've said this to you before as well when you've said that is you don't get to send round the slip with fifty to one on the horse. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, there is there is no point, you know, delivering food to the neighbour around the corner who can't leave the house if you don't take a picture for Instagram. Yeah. But that I, is like, why especially on fashionable yards, it's a way better way of doing it than doing the, the straight out anti post bet. Much, much yeah. better. Yeah, um, and, and well said. Now go and go and find anyway, a Sorry, yeah, I apologize to everyone for that. So the one I like and I really like is is Fern Hill. Uh, ben Case is having a great season. He's eighteen percent. Um he also has a seventeen percent strike rate at, at, at Donny. Uh no, so th- this race much of a muchness in terms of ratings, but this fella's going to hugely improve for three miles. He w- he ran at Weatherby the last day over two five. He beat Witness Protection, and that was really you know two horses having two different races because uh, Fern Hill went and won the race looking like he needed three miles. Witness Protection looked like he needed two miles, which he did. He dropped back and trip, and he went and and won subsequently, as well as him winning subsequently the third horse who was beaten fifteen lengths once since as well. So the form is looking really good. Um, this horse will love soft ground. He will absolutely love three miles. And I think he's a big price at 12s. Uh, I think he's very good. Um, as well as talking about doubles, Witness Protection is entered. So in a related form double, you could back Fernhill and Witness Protection in whatever race Witness Protection runs in, the two-mile handicap hurdle at Cheltenham, if it's on. Um, mm-hmm. But really like Fernhill. There's a lot. There's a good few reasons to take on the ones at the top of the market here. Uh, Flash Collange looks painfully slow, which might be fine actually for for three miles at Donny on Saturday. In fairness, Emersakra very free. I don't think he's going to get home over three miles. Um, very inexperienced. Uh, Ashtown lad Bridget Andrews can, you know, I think she she's good, but she is weak in a finish. So you'd be looking to take her on. Um, and I just think it's a it's a really good little race now, and you could like Pat's fancy. He'll be twelve fourteens, I'd say, on the day because the the there's just so many of them there with a chance. Uh, but it's a good little race, but I, I, I'm quite sweet on Fernhill. OK, sweet on Fernhill. And uh, Keenan Woods, a jockey I have a lot of time for riding that for Ben Case. Um, Paddy, um, Stephen Cass called my selection in the race Flash Colange uh, very slow. So that doesn't fill me with um, with a lot of confidence going into... With three miles uh, heavy race. ground at Donny, it's probably slow you want, really. But Well, yeah, slow you'll get. Uh, I, I think I think there's, there's there's plenty to come um, from Flash Collins, and, and there should be six year old off one three three for Paul Nichols. Uh, it would you know serious. Uh, uh, I would say they they really thought a lot of this before, and it only really came together at Wincant the last day. I think there's more to come. Um, Paddy, you're on. Yeah, no, I think on appearance when you watch him visually, um, Cass is bang on the money. He's a, he's a big lad. He's a, he's a, he's a you know he's a big old type. Um, and to be honest. Apart from he tipped up early doors um, on his only previous try at Donny with Bryony, but the next day at Newbury with Harry Skelton, he ended up getting on the front end. I mean, he was four to nine that day, Fav, 
um, for his novice hurdle, but he ended up getting to the front too soon. And he is a proper big, steery, backward thing. And he ran around and he ended up getting himself beat by half a length. And you could tell the last day when Harry rode him at Wincanton, he thought, right, we're not going to let the same happen today. He did send him on a good way down, but to say he won by eight and a half legs, Harry was very hard on him. He really copped hold of him and he gave him a, a few right good smacks. And he thought, right, I'm going to teach you something today because you're a bit gone. Yeah. And so it'd be amazing. Obviously, this is deeper water again, but I think Harry Skelton really could have made this horse the last day. Now, he's going to have to have come forward for it mentally, but he's got an awful lot of natural ability because he had no business winning on debut. He was a big, raw brute but he still managed to win on just pure ability. So I think I would I would be with Flash Colons, but this is a very, very warm race. And, and Cass is, is right about that Fernhill form because the horse of, of Martin Keatley's, he is declared in, in the two-miler at Donny, or at, not at Donny, at Cheltenham, um, a horse or a race which he target, he has targeted over the last few years. So that, that would have been interesting, but like I say, my struggle to be on. But yeah, if he can overcome uh, his greenness and rawness, I would be in the Flash Colons camp. Lovely. Two votes where Stephen Cass put me right off and then and then maybe not so much. Uh, Paddy's put me right back on the Flash Colonge train. Uh, Dermo super keen on Pat's fancy and uh, Fernhill also a keen fancy for Stephen Cass. And that shows you the competitive nature of that race. It is a bit of a belter at Doncaster at 240. We're going to go to the uh, 315, um, which is the uh, Skybet Handicap Chase listed, of course, uh, three miles in front of him here. Always one of the bigger races of this uh, weekend, even with Cheltenham on around the corner. Um, Paddy, why don't you kick us off with the sky bet and let us know what you fancy? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, off the back of the horse we talked about earlier, um, of Venetia's, I mean, the line through Captain Ord and, and the Kempton run, I mean, obviously the weights were already out for this race, so the handicapper couldn't touch him. Um, now, effectively... With with Venetia's horse Royal Pagal winning again the other day, he has a, he has actually gone up another three pound, so he's rated one hundred and forty two now. But Jack Tudor's going to take three off, so he's going to run here off one hundred and thirty six on Saturday. So effectively, he's very very well in. Now the one thing that sort of gives me confidence about Captain Ord is I think looking at it on paper, this is going to be a very very well run race. And we've seen what he done at Newbury. Um, maybe the race did fall apart a little bit. They went very hard, but he was ridden from a long way back. Absolutely bolted up. And then to chase home, Royal Pagal the last day was absolutely a mile clear of the third, who's won since. And and, and the, the, the fourth ran well in that um, Somerset National at, at Wincanton the other day. So the form is rock solid. Um, but obviously, look, you're not the, the value has gone about him. But I think he is the one to beat. The one I, I would probably go each way uh, if he can back up his last run is the horse right at the foot of the weights here, musical slave. But for me, if um, you know the the form stacks up, Captain Or for me is he's got a rock rock solid chance here. Yeah, and the betting is reflecting that definitely, as you say, the value has kind of gone there around five to two or so for Captain Nord. I mean, surely won't go off that short. And you'd imagine the layers will be able to take a little bit of money on it. But damn, I'm going to come to you next. The hipsters, the Royal Pagai hipsters for the Gold Cup, uh, will be all over this if um, if uh, Royal Pagai is to be believed. So Captain Nord is uh, is worthy favourite for you. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, I mean, regardless of me maybe not fancying Royal Pagay for a Gold Cup, it doesn't sure. matter as far as a, a handicap goes, you know, it's still serious form. But I think Captain Nord will have an awful lot to do to uphold that form from earlier on the season with uh, with Canelo. Uh, David Weldon of this uh, Paris put this up on the group we're on as well, Dean, and he said that he thought that he takes stopping. And I 
I agree with him to be honest. I mean, like sure. Canelo, Canelo ran off eleven stone nine, and Captain Nord ran off ten stone five, and there was four and a half lengths behind them, uh, between them, and uh, Canelo has only improved since as well. That was that was a very good win at um, at Weatherby on on St Stephen's Day or, or Boxing Day, as you Brits call it, and the um, but. The weight difference now is much much lower. You know, there's 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 seven pounds between them. So Canelo's a horse going the completely right way, and he meets the the, the favorite here on on better terms for a four and a half um, length beating. I, I don't think that there's much at all between them, and um, as much as Christian Williams is um, obviously has this horse absolutely flying, he's doing very well with every horse he gets as well. Christian Williams does deserve a mention. He's every single horse that he he seems to get you. He really maximizes them. There's some here at big prices that, of course, you get involved with giving a copper who we were commenting on the kind of start of the season was entered in every single race going. Um, but um, he'd, he'd have a chance if, if he came back to his best. Uh, York Hill, the, the uh, perennial mentler, is probably still well handicapped of 147. He, he could go well, but I just thought Canelo is eight years old now. He's really hitting his peak. I think that he'll take an awful lot of stopping. Um, and I thought a five to one it still ties into the Royal Begay form somewhat because of a true Captain Nord. And I just think with a kind of a seven or eight pound differentiation with, between them since that last run, uh, Canelo is probably the uh, round price here. Dave. Okay, so uh, Canelo then for uh, Dermot Nolan. Um, it'd be some day for Tom Cannon, uh, potentially, judging by what we think of this Doncaster meeting. Stephen Cass, I'm coming to you. Um, let me let me just throw this at you. Just behind Nutswell at Kelso, over too short. Uh, seven lengths behind Surname at Weatherby. Uh, ten lengths behind Clough Cap in the um, Labbrook, the Hennessy. And then a massive run behind Wise Eagle. Forget the last bit, actually. Uh, don't count the Newcastle stuff. But I write deserve to win this race. Yes, the 1-20 to 20 shot of what I was going to tip. Well done, Dean, yeah. Yeah, it landed. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a massive price here, and you know the book oh, one, the, the the six in front of it would have put you off, but he actually travelled away at the furlong pole. He was kind of in front, and they were trying to make use of his stamina, and just wasn't quick enough for that. So it was actually a fine run if you watch it back. He plugged on, ran through the line. That was grand. So I write like I I can't believe he's double figures here. Like he should be yep. Captain Ord. Fair enough, has to be favourite, but the reality with him is I think. Royal Pagai could have beaten him by 30 lengths if he wanted to the last day. And he just kicked away. And, you know, while he's well in and all this, this is going to be very competitive. It's not a 5-2 to two favor kind of a race. Um, I write only a pound higher than in the Labrooks Trophy. And my the, the, the run that put me onto this horse was actually a two-runner race at Newcastle back around this time last year when he beat Mulcahy's Hill on soft ground. Newcastle and Donny, very similar tracks, flat left-handed, uh, jumping tracks, and he will be able to just sit in uh, either lead or take a lead, and he's just going to tank away. His jumping is brilliant. Uh, soft ground's no problem to him. He'll be bang there, and 10-1 and to 1 is huge. I know the Scottish National is meant to be his target, but the prize money for this is around the same as the Scottish National, so you'd have to trust he's trying. Uh, nothing with his connections which would suggest he won't be and I think he has a right chance. Um, give me a copper, what really nearly chased down Rocky's treasure the last day. If they let him go on the ground, which he has a little bit of form on going back, uh, he'd be interesting, and, you know, it's time for him to, to start showing that eventually. He's an 11-year-old now. But uh, I think I write a huge price of double figures. 
Yeah, I'm totally in that camp, which is why I, I led you that way, knowing that that's where he'd end up. Um, yeah, I just think if any if any horse in here is perhaps you know the, the class beast on a fair mark, it is it is that one. Although you have to respect the the handicap position of Captain Or uh, with the recent form, and I do respect that. But at the prices, I write absolute standout for me in that sky bet. Now we we've kind of spun through the Doncaster races there, and um, so let's do a, a quick summary of Cheltenham, assuming that it does go ahead. We might not spend as much time. Uh, across these races the 150 uh steven i'll come to you first in as you were so right about the skybet chase uh, i'll let you go first with the 150 at cheltenham which is the uh, the handicap chase there the grade three midnight shadow horse we've mentioned a couple of times uh, already on this week's pod uh, is market leader there for sue smith and ryan mania yeah i i i think if you took um if you took chatham street lad out of the the, the caspian caviar midnight shadow would have been winning it with a stretched out field by 10 or 15 lengths uh, the form is good at that race. Annie Mack has come out and won a listed chase after by 16 lengths. She was fifth. Um, I just think Midnight Shadow, uh, like he, he ran really well in the Marsh chase, as I alluded to last year. I think a mark in the, sorry, I actually don't know what his mark is now. Is he 148, 149? But a mark around there. Yeah, yeah. A mark in the 140s is uh, imminently exploitable. And I actually think he's, you know, he could be ten pounds ahead of his mark. This horse, he will improve. Sue Smith's horses always go great this time of year, and five to one about this horse. I just think he is, you know, a very, very likely winner. So I, I, I'd be backing him at eleven to four. So I'd be having a good bet of fives. The only little worry is Sue Smith's last um, two runners. They finished last and pulled up, but like her three, three runs ago, a horse won. So you know, I'm playing too much into that. Uh, but I think he's the best handicapped horse in the race. He's coming in in the best form with the best piece of form, and he's very, very solid. That'll do. Very strong on Midnight Shadow, uh, Stephen Cass for the 150. Dermo, give me the winner. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with Stephen. I, I was kind of uh, levitating towards Al Dancer, but uh, the ground would, would kind of turn me off there. He, he, he looked to spend force last time, really, on that, on that kind of softer going than the time before. So Midnight Shadow is definitely the... Uh, the one to be completely agree that he's about he has at least 10 pounds in him particularly just with how good he was over hurdles as well loves Cheltenham and then one just for the old reverse forecast if this race does go ahead happy diva uh, will absolutely love these conditions she was still going well enough behind uh, uh, cool Cody that day as well she she fell when she was she was kind of coming into it in fourth so she's uh, she's really tough she'd be one for the places so midnight shadow to beat happy diva Dean uh, I don't ask for much no, fair enough. I mean, look, you mentioned our dancer, and normally I'd be telling you how our dancer just needs to lead from two out to go ahead and win. But after what happened the last day behind Chatham Street, lad, uh, just be happy to see our dancer run a nice race. I have to say, Midnight Shadow has a good chance. Paddy, uh, you going to disagree with the lads? Got a, I was given a chance to four or five here, to be honest, lad. It was that <laughs> yeah. open. Uh, but obviously, if it does go ahead, you've got to take into account conditions are going to be, you know, they're going to be knee deep. Um, but I thought Caribbean boy. <sighs> I hate using the word he bounced the last day, but maybe he, they turned him out a bit quick. You know, although he didn't run terribly, um, they've freshened him up now. Forty two days since we last seen him, because I thought that yeah. turn run at Newbury, he looked he looked a proper bit of kit. This horse, he's only seven, very unexposed. Um, but, the RSA winner there possibly as well in Fiddler on the Roof, but that's just my view. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we, we were very taken with him at Newbury, weren't we? And I mean, we were very much so. He put Fiddler on the roof to bed pretty easily for a horse with ve- very, very little experience. Um, but uh, I, I would give him another go, considering connections that have just freshened him up again. Because um, 
although he's going to have 11 11. Um, he looked very, very good at Newbury on his return. Okay. Um, I mean, we would have loved to have spent uh, more time talking about what is uh, what is an intriguing lineup for the Cotswold chase, but I mean, the chances are, gents, that this just isn't going to go ahead. Um, Paddy, I'll let you go first with the 225, which is the uh, the Paddy Power 45 sleeps to Cheltenham Cotswold chase. Uh, Bristol, Demai and Santini uh, re- renewing old old rivalries. Yeah, I mean, although he's, it's amazing to think he's still yet to win at the track, and he's 10-year-old Bristol, Demai, but He's never run terribly bad at the track. Um, this was another one. I was given plenty of these a chance, to be honest. I mean, I've seen on the on the thing that York Hill is actually his first preference. Um, so if Fair it enough. is on, you know, the, the, this is another race. It's going to be run at a pretty good gallop because he's only got one way going along, left-handed, flat out, um, York Hill. But, you know, got the conditional in here. Horses, Nader River, plenty of them that like to, to force the pace. Um, I probably came down on the side of the Fav here, Bristol the Mice, simply because, like I say, if it does get to go ahead, um, he's been pigeonholed as, as a proper old mudlark. So I, I would be with Bristol the Mice to finally break his old Cheltenham mode. Fair enough. Bristol the Mice could finally get the one on the board at this track. Um, Stephen Cass, uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me you don't want San Calvados to run here, and I'd echo that. I also don't want the conditional really to run here, should it be on, but. I, I wouldn't like to uh, to call the top end, although I think Santini probably go and get it done finally. Well, <laughs> the best thing about this race is Nicky came, uh, he was on the Nick Luck podcast and he said, look, Santini won't run if it's heavy. And Nicky, yeah. you know, he's afraid of getting the bit of grief now at the moment for not running horses. And then once yeah. uh, Simon Clays comes out this morning and says, look, it's probably going to be off and you'll need a snorkel, he declares Santini knowing that the meeting will be off and he won't get any grief because he won't run. <laughs> this is on. He's not going to run. Santini won't run. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely no uh, way. So, and the other thing with Santini is like, Nicky, you know, he, he could go to Newbury then for the Denman chase, but somehow he has to avoid champ, you know. I saw someone make the point on Twitter that Willie Mullins runs seven horses in a grade one against each other, but heaven forbid Nicky run two, you know, from different owners. Yeah. He's, oh, exactly. Look, he wonders why, <laughs> he wonders why people get um, antsy with him, but like, hey, look, I hope Steve, it's not be just a, so he can pull out miles. Santini, just so he can pull out yeah. Santini. Funny, there will be a two mile bumper for him before we get to Cheltenham, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, Brist- everyone talks about Bristol Demai and, and, and his record at Cheltenham, but he was second to Santini in this last year, third in the Gold Cup, second in the JLT. Um, he lost around six lengths at the third last last year. He made a really bad mistake. Um, and that may or may not have cost him the race because Santini did well now after the last last year. But I think Bristol Demai is Nada River won't run up to that mark just the way Tizard horses are going. And he's now 11, so I just think Bristol Demai is by far the most likely winner because I don't think St. Calvados will stay and the rest of them are sure. in class. So. If it's on, uh, a vote for Bristol Demai then from Stephen Castemo. You're a big fan of Bristol Demai. Uh, if this race was on, um, would you would you go against your normal Santini love affair and go back to a previous, previous bow? I thought uh, Dean uh, Santini was actually valued for that win last year. I mean, he made a bad mistake as well two out so i think santini would would kind of hold him here but as as uh as Cass said i don't think santini will wrap up here if it is heavy ground because they they just want to get him to to the gold cup he's had a ridiculously stupid really campaign i mean aintree and kempton if you could pick two worst tracks for santini you couldn't have kind of come up with two better for him um and um you know he never went to an entry festival because they said it wouldn't suit but that's where he started 
his season. But just at the moment, a horse with the kind of few ahead of him that, that might come out. Lakeview Lad uh, was he was good at Aintree. He was um, he was third behind. He wear the bear before as well at the uh, at the Cheltenham Festival. So his form isn't that bad at all. He, he's 11 years old, but you're getting three places, 16 to one with, with kind of eight runners at the moment. If this race does go ahead, this will cut up. No matter what happens, that's why yeah. Paul Nichols has has Yala Enki in there. So the only kind of uh, kind of value angle I see here is just backing Lake Fulad or something like that each way, but <clears throat> this kind of won't go ahead. I will be back in Santini at three to one if he does run, but he he won't no matter Darryl, what happens. Can we, if it does go ahead and and can we have a match bet Santini and Bristol Demai? Here we go. No, I just said there on the ground, Cassini. Oh, sorry. So if it does go ahead and Santini runs. If the two, yeah, if two of them run, match bet. Yeah, perfect, right, Grant. Okay. A nifty. A nifty, perfect, yeah. Okay. Lovely. That 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 is a bet that, that's, you know, will never go ahead because of this. Let's go fast. I'm, uh, uh, we, we I'm zero on one though with bets with Stephen. Uh, so am I. So am I. Tell me for Politolo in the champion chase. I have a hundred quid coming to me from that mug that said that Goshen would win another race this season. So I'm doing well off the podcast. Yeah, which, which, which you know, <laughs> for, for the, just for the record, I never took. But, um, okay. Oh, no, so sorry, the three some fella on Twitter took it. Oh, someone grabbed it. Okay, yeah. One of my, one of my better accounts. Yeah, yeah. EDM me, so we've, we've arranged. Oh, lovely. Lovely. One of my burner accounts, that one, Stephen, just so I couldn't, I couldn't do it on here because, you know, I didn't feel comfortable. But uh, yeah, I've got you, I've got you on Twitter anyway. So that's great to know. Um, all right. The three o'clock at Cheltenham then. Uh, I mean, we could be wasting a lot of words here about races that are not on. And there are only five runners in this, but it's the Ballymore Novices Hurdle uh, Classic uh, Grade 2. And uh, Paddy. Uh, why don't you try and give me the the one that, if this is on, uh, do we fancy Bear Grylls and Nicky Martin star uh, to keep rocking and rolling, or is there something else? Yeah, well, he's going to go off. Uh, I'm probably deserving of around about uh, an even shot, Bear, Bear Gills, but the yard are doing very well of late. Um, at times, he doesn't often help himself, Bear Gills. He's a bit normal, a bit forward going, but in fairness, I thought when he had a bit of cover and a bit of company, the last day, I thought he hurdled very, very nicely and he'd done everything right. But as soon as he took it up, that's when sort of things started to go wrong a little bit. But even so, he still went to one by five lengths. He's, he's another horse. He's got an awful lot of raw ability. Uh, he's still maturing, still growing up. But he's proved in the past that he copes with deep ground. I mean, he, he's a first last winner. Um, but he looks to have a fair bit of potential. And I think annual Invictus, he'll take them along in the front. It'll help Bear Gill settle. That's the, the thing. As long as he settles, it'll just help Mac Griffiths out a little bit. He's got an awful lot of ability, this horse. Mm. Yeah, he could be very good. Um, that's Bear Gills in that three o'clock. Stephen, I see you're uh, open there to give me the winner of this five-runner affair. Should the racing be on, as I keep saying? Uh, yeah, this is this is like... Uh, I Just the way that Bear Gills, like Paddy alluded to, when he hits a bit of light and in a five-runner race, he's not going to get that much cover. He just seems to jump... He kind of kicks the bottom of them as he's lifting his legs. He's got a really stupid mm. technique. And he'd want to be learning now, but he could just have the engine to get through this. But I kind of like this race for a bit because Annual Invictus, um, he's very, very slow. He will light the ground, but he won't have the pace to go up Bear Grylls. Wild about Oscar, pull, pretty much pulled up the last day after making a bad mistake. I, I, or he did pull up, but he was sort of struggling to go the pace that day against Brave Man's Game. 
uh, put a line through him until he shows more. So I I just think Tuck Delot is actually worth uh, a shot. Um, like he he performed poorly when in December when Twist and Davis were really really going bad. So if you if you forgive him a December run for for the the the, the duffel coat yard, then his form he'd be twenty for a pound by six lengths and he's won since. So he's rated one thirty. Look, he's got a few pounds to find, but he's twenty eight to one. And all you have to do is forgive him one bad run. Twist and Davis are on a little better now, so I'd give him a little squeak. Took the lot, gets a squeak then from Stephen Cass in that three o'clock. The Bannymore um, novice at Cheltenham. Uh, Dermo, do you want to fire me the uh, the fancy in that if you have one? I agree with everything uh, Stephen said. I I watched that Pat's fancy race last night and took the lot. Just didn't didn't go a yard. Um, so a twenty eight to one. I thought I was being a real wise guy there now, but uh, Cass is a the, the wise guy for wise guys. So um, so uh, so yeah, no, uh, the exact same pick. Sometimes the running order can unintentionally steal your thunder, and that's what happened there. Just didn't know uh, who was going to throw me uh, anything of much interest in these races, given that it could be off. But took the lot, uh, gets uh, gets two strong nods there. I, yeah, I think I think the even money around uh, Bear Gills makes sense, and I wouldn't be going against it. But at those prices, you can't argue with the two uh, gents there with the big one. Uh, Demo, go for it with the um, the cleave. Uh, yeah, I'd love this to be on because it means we get to see the likes of Paisley again. But uh, it's a good race, this Paisley, itchy feet, main facts. You know what I mean? Harry coming back uh, again. Uh, it doesn't seem to go away. 13 years old. Ramsey's the telly. He would love it if uh, if you had to put the flippers on. And Deco Elon Days. Um, yeah, look, we're we're not going to waste too much time because I'd say our listeners now are getting to the point where they're like, will this podcast ever end? But um, it's <laughs> especially... not, really. and the race is not. They turned yeah, off. We haven't even got to the Charles Burns stuff yet. Oh, <laughs> and uh, Paisley Park at. Uh, uh, a four to seven is nothing fancy, but he's he's going to be very hard to beat here. That that him and time hill form is by far the best in this division at the moment overall. So he should have no problem winning this. Itchy feet, a, a grand horse, but I couldn't have him over three miles um, over hurdles. So I'd, uh, even though Ollie Murphy's yard is has turned around viciously in form, which is great, but uh, Paisley Park takes all the stuff in here. Okay, um, Stephen Paisley Park will have to run a decent number to put Itchy feet away. Yeah, Itchy Feet stayed on really, really well the last day. Maybe three miles would be the making of him. I, I wouldn't have thought it when he was a, a novice hurdler, but the way he stayed the last day, maybe, maybe it will, you know. Um, don't know much about his sire, Seema the Triumph. Like, it, does he get stay or sorry? I could be totally wrong there, but yeah, I don't know. But I look, he's 92. If he was 10s, you might chance him. Yeah, but fair enough. He only has six pounds to find, kind of, with the weights the way they are, but I just think he's short enough as well. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, a race to watch. A race to watch. Paddy Aspel, uh, any potential for an upset for Paisley Park? The odds would suggest probably not. No, struggling to see it, to be honest. Um, it's a good move going back over hurdles with Itchy Feast. Uh, you know, he, yeah. he's not a bad jumper, but jumping fences just taxes him probably uh, a bit too much. And, and the level that he's competing at over fences, it's, it's going to hold him back, so... You've seen sure. that they've done it with brewing up a storm the other day, didn't they? And, and it's worked out well, and the yard are, are going well again. But yeah, Paisley looking for his third win in the, in the race, and I would really struggle to be against him. Fair enough. Okay, um, look, we've spun through some races there at Cheltenham on the off chance that it does go ahead, and fingers crossed, 
it does. Although my personal view would be, I really like it if it wasn't on and they get a nice run now with uh, with clear and um, a decent weather and decent ground then for the Chantler Festival. Don't need it good, but I don't want it pudding like it seems to have been uh, so far this National Hunt season. Uh, we've come to the point where if you want to throw anything else out before we do shut this podcast down, um, please go ahead. And I am looking for naps. So, uh, Dermo, I will let you go first. Give me your best bet of the weekend and uh, anything else that we didn't catch. Yeah, perfect, Dean. Um, so uh, Pat's fancy in the um, the Albert Bartlett trial, which is the 2.40 on Saturday at uh, Doncaster, is my nap of the uh, weekend. A few other races just to pay attention to. For the, the Mayor's Novice on um, at Cheltenham, the Sol, the old Solarina hurdle, which is now the race displays Mayor's Novice hurdle. Uh, Solarina's been dropped from that title, but that's the 158 at Ferry House on Saturday. Just a great guide for for that race, obviously our beloved Honeysuckle won this before when we really thought we were on to a good thing at Cheltenham. Um, but there's some really good mares in here. Uh, Royal Kahala um, is the one that I quite fancy at the moment for, for this division. Uh, but just one horse um, for, for the same owners as Honeysuckle Brave Way. At Down Royal, she was made plenty of and she kind of died in the end, but she could be a big each way price um, for, for this race. So Brave Way each way, but Royal Kahala is the one in this division. I know Galois, there's an awful lot said about her but I think Royal Kahala is the one to stop in this division so she could be a backable price in the 158 um, and then in the 145 at Nace on Sunday the Limestone Lad uh, this is this is all this this is was always a race that was kind of forgotten but S4 Dallin made this into a, a champion hurdle trial um, but it's a race not to pay too much attention to really I don't think but Corsa Blind's on a bit of a, a kind of a, a, a retribution here now after his his poor runs so kind of dropping out to grade three level he could be very interesting um and then just kind of one more race just to pay attention to is the 215 on sunday at naistine this is the uh the novice chase over three mile one this is a good guide towards the uh the four miler and i'd love if pensiful led ran here and won because i think he he'd take a bit of stopping in that four miler so um a few races to watch dean kind of nothing else really on my mind as far as the bet goes at the moment i just really like pat's fancy yeah, okay, Pat's fancy a nap of the racing uh, this weekend. And, you know, I did catch uh, Course of Blind being out there for Gerard O'Loughlin in that 145 at Nace, the old limestone lab. And, uh, yeah, uh, they probably had enough time now to, to get that one right if it does go on the track. Only six, plenty of time. Um, could be an interesting runner there. Well said, Mo. Uh, Stephen Cash, you're up. Uh, I ride for the nap. Eventually, it'll 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 click. I probably would have put up midnight shadow, but with the doubts, we go. I write. um, and then in the anything else, uh, Dermo mentioned Espardalen and and the Nace, the, the limestone lad hurdle. Uh, a horse called Grandois won the same race at Christmas at Limerick that Espardalen had won, and I thought maybe 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 they might give this fella champion hurdle entry. He's only rated one forty three, but he was wildly impressive that day. Beating Wolf Prince, really like him. And I think America 143, they can win any handicap they like at Cheltenham with this fella. I will be, he'd be my main handicap one. So I'll be watching him, hoping that, you know, maybe he doesn't do anything too impressive on Sunday because I think he can win whatever he wants off 147 or 148, whatever the handicap will give him in England. Yeah, you get a couple of extra pounds. So you wouldn't be going too high up the rankings in this limestone lad on uh, on Sunday at Nates, but that's Grand Bois for uh, Gordon Elliott up against uh, Corsa Bling. This should be the race for Corsa Bling, but an interesting shout there, Stephen. Thank you very much. And I write, um, I'd have to echo that as being 
uh, probably the best bet of the weekend. So I, I might give you the curse there, Stephen. Unfortunately, I thought I right. I am able to do that myself. Don't worry. I don't think I've ever. Fair told enough. You. Fair enough. We'll, we'll double down. <laughs> we will, we will double down in the sky bet handicap chase with I right, which just leaves Paddy to uh, to actually give us a winner after all that. Go for it, Paddy. Yeah, I'd probably be against you, lads, and, and be with the Fav. Um, Captain Law. Yeah, just hoping that that form line holds up. Um, like I say, I think he could be still very, very nicely treated, this Captain Orden. It's in what looks like it could be a very, very well-run race. Um, yeah. And then with the 1% chance of Cheltenham being on, because I see they're actually forecasting another 5 mil, so very, very doubtful. But anyway... In the 410, the horse I mentioned earlier, uh, Martin Keatley's witness protection. Um, so he's won this race a couple of times in the past, Martin Keatley, and the horse we've spoken about earlier on the podcast, Fern Hill. It's a good line yeah. form um, with him there as well. So witness protection in the 410, if that's on, but Nap is, is Captain Ord. One for okay. Dundalk as well, Dean. Yeah, fire it in. Yes, horse got emphatic. It's rare now I tip a horse that's won three handicaps, but he won it from draw 17 or whatever it is, 16, the maximum field the last day. Uh, still think he's something in hand. If you can get uh, north of 5-1, to one, which I think you will tomorrow at Dundalk, emphatic, I think will could win again. Thank you very much. Um, that's how we have now, well, we've reached the end. We've finally wrapped up this week's Race Hour podcast. My thanks to Paddy Aspel, Stephen Cass and Dermot Nolan. Uh, you can listen to the Race Hour brought to you with bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, we'll see you all again next week. And of course, we'll be looking at the Dublin Racing Festival um, at that point. And we'll probably be skipping the Cheltenham preview because there's going to be so much going on uh, at Leopardstown. So we'll do that next week. Thanks, guys.